Welcome to our webinar, the Water's New Gold CEO Briefing. Our mission is to transform the water industry. Decentralization offers us this opportunity. The plan that you've built here is super impressive. The world is experiencing a crisis in regards to water. It's a great opportunity that you are giving us investors. Not too many CEOs do a weekly briefing and are willing to talk to individual investors. Welcome everyone to the CEO briefing. And I see people are still arriving, so that's good. I'm just going to, there's a couple of people with chat requests. I'm just going to take a look here, see what people have to say this morning, this evening. Ron, good evening, everyone. And Jin Yu, good evening. Uh, Jin Yung Yang, excuse me. Uh, Keith Rutten uh, gave me a um, one of those things. And Don Gauden says, I'm finally able to come after months and months. Thank you. Here I am. All right. Well, welcome. Without further ado, let's get this party started. And water is the new gold, helping you thrive in the world's only vital, scarce, and recession-proof market, of course. Um, you can watch this in Spanish. Just click on the globe symbol. You know the safe harbor statement. We do our very best to tell you how it is. And uh, it, if it works out differently, we'll tell you so. I've got two people raising their hands. Please use the chat function. Raising hands will not work for you. All right. There's a very good story I was sent in Bloomberg um, from yesterday, and it's the global water crisis. Um, and, you know, this is really, you know, the story. More, more than 10% of humanity lacks access to it, while 90% of natural disasters are linked to it. And major cities have nearly run out of it. So this uh, water crisis has arrived. Combination of warming climate and growing population mean the dwindling supply of fresh water. Actually, we like to say that it is a lack of technology implementation that's led to it. And Jin Yung-Yang says, this is the first time I joined the, seminar, the webinar. Very excited. Well, thank you, sir, if, the, if you're a, a gentleman. All right. Now, um, interestingly enough, that there is... Um, a great deal of farming that relies on groundwater. Uh, a third of all farming, think about that. And the groundwater is, is going down. Um, so what did we learn from COVID-19, from the need for increased global cooperation, et cetera? So what about all these things? So there's six people were interviewed for this uh, article. Um, this Carolina Vilches in Chile is rewriting Chile's constitution to redistribute water rights. <clears throat> and in her country, which has been a huge farming success. Farming is 78% of water consumption. That's pretty much across the board in most countries. That's kind of how it is. Agriculture takes most of it. The problem in Chile is that if you want to speak about water, you have to speak with 44 related institutions. And this is a problem in water treatment and recycling as well. For in the United States, for example, it's all down to the city level. And I will deal, uh, I have an interview later about that. Um, Peter Glick, or Gleick, uh, created in the field of water management, and he uh, built a fascinating um, um, uh, organization. And here's a very good term. 
um, soft water paths to manage demand and improve efficiency. So um, he's defined uh, peak water when things such as pumping and contamination make the cost of use prohibitive. Well, contamination is a big deal and we are here to deal with the contamination issue. Okay. Um, the failure to provide sanitation to people is not about a lack of technology or money. It's about corruption and inequality. Okay. Alison Wedgwood bringing water to remote areas through cell phones. And now she has launched e-water services. Uh, and here's what's interesting. Even a tiny sum charged vastly reduces waste if it's not free. So it's very, very important. People say water should be free. Well, yeah, um, water is a human right, but transferring, delivering, and making it safe to drink has a cost. So somebody's got to pay for that. Um, so it's all about access. Economists say trillions of dollars of value could be unlocked in developing economies if clean water, toilets, and hygiene were widely available. And here's um, uh, Peter, uh, Ed Peter, who buys up water rights and leases them to farmers. And that's in, he made a huge amount of money in Australia when a drought came along. And technically, he's a speculator. Uh, the way he looks at it is it's a way to um, allocate water where there is the most need. Unfortunately, there's lots of bad things happening with um, toxic algae and so forth. And so when it's a you know, when you lack a general regulatory framework, you have a problem. So that's not great, but um, that's what he does. Uh, Ilya Espino de Marota is the um, second in command at the Panama Canal. And she, do you realize that the Panama Canal is running out of water because the rainy season is starting later? <clears throat> in addition to droughts, eight of its 10 greatest storms have occurred over the past 21 years. And um, the reservoirs they've got are not enough during the rainy season to keep it for the dry season. So um, there's a whole problem with that. So um, I'm not going to go into it further, but the point I'm making is that climate change is inescapable. There is um, uh, pro always a fight between population and industry. In this case, literally uh, allowing enough water for vessels to go through versus what the, the 2 million people need from these artificial lakes. So this is uh, really, uh, we are at the front of the war. Okay, I had a great conversation earlier this week with Omar Hamdi. He is, um, uh, builds editorial stories and he uh, is writing a story. He, he was responsible for the Newsweek article we had a few weeks ago. Um, and um, he's making a parallel between energy and water decentralization. So that was something that um, he really wanted to understand better. So let's take a look at what he had to say. It's kind of inside baseball because it talks about concepts that are sort of insider, but I think you'll enjoy it. What I'm seeing here is because now we are in, act, we are, we are in payoff mode. We, we were talking, I've talked decentralization since 2016. Now we're doing it just as with this, this, this energy phenomenon that's happening that we just discussed. It's happening in water and a very innovative company has leapt forward to actually pre-fund all these things to make them happen virally, almost a viral implementation of water decentralization, right? Because Omar, if you happen to have a brewery, as in my example last night, and you've got a water problem, a million dollars I don't have, I say, well, don't worry, just sign here. The deal's done. You know, we like to say it goes from selling to blessing. I'm blessing you with a, a solution as opposed to trying to sell you one. And like that, that it's a huge accelerator. So it's, it's a, actually a, an industry-wide trend 
but there's only a few players still in it. It's the pioneers. And so the whole idea of pioneering decentralization by making the buying experience frictionless is kind of part of decentralization. I mean, that's that's the whole deal, right? There's not a lot of capital required. So would you say that water decentralization is further along than en- uh, energy decentralization or with which one is the leader? Which one is the primary case study? And which one is the parallel where we say it can work here too? We saw in America, we saw Solar City do the same thing. We'll pay for the solar panels. You'll just pay the utility bill to us. It's a direct analogy to what we're doing. The solar panel on your roof is a reality in America. And I think more and more in Europe, despite the lack of sun. So um, we're, we're, um, we're seeing a lot more penetration of decentralized energy than decentralized water. Like, for example, one of our deals that, that we're putting on this water demand is a housing development near our center in Texas um, that is going from 10 homes to 30 homes. And they couldn't, they need to have build a, their own water system now. It's no longer, the city won't take their water. Oops. And they didn't have the capital because it's a homeowner's association. So we just said, fine, here you go. Just pay us by the gallon. Thank you very much. It seems so natural. You're like, well, that's not news. That's like normal. But it's not being done in these smaller sites. It's being done at big deals like uh, desalination for entire islands. That's being done on a service basis, right? Like um, this company told this, I don't know, um, Jamaica, don't bother paying for the system. We'll, We'll just charge you by the gallon. Those are big. The small is harder and we and a couple of others like Cambrian are innovators in that area because at the end of the day, there's many more small people than big people. So I think that's incredibly helpful. So thank you. I think there's a lesson here for everything else. Let's, let's decentralize all public services. And best example is water. Here are some case studies, just like we've done with energy. Here are some case studies. This is real. And let's embrace decentralization because that is, an, that is a premise to your argument. Someone can be completely sold on water shortages and completely sold on crypto, but no, I don't like decentralization. No, 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 no. And I think also just 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 to put put the British and the European context on this, governments tend to be bigger on this side of the Atlantic. So it's very acceptable in Britain and certainly in Europe to talk about centralization as the solution. It's public ownership, uh, and people are talking about even you know transport systems, public ownership. In certain circles, including probably my circles, it's quite intuitive to say that decentralization is great and empowering and efficient. That's, that's not the case everywhere. Well, I think you can be saying from across the pond that America, because of its very fractionalized governance, because literally we put water treatment in the hand of the cities, right? And 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 so this is opposite to what we see in Europe, which is, you're right. I mean, look at Israel. They've achieved 90% recycling rate because it's very centralized. They're like mandate, you know, you're going to do it and, and it works. America, for better or for worse, is, is a very decentralized country. How, how would you respond? Because the Israel case study seems like a counter argument to what you're saying. Sure. How, but how Israel population wise is the size of an American city. Well, is a city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We forget that, don't we? And it, right. it's, it, I think we forget that a lot when we say it works in Israel, it works in Finland, it works in Iceland. You're talking about, you know, 
a, 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 a couple of zip codes of New York City or London or something. Uh, okay. But, but also we've seen, look, we, we have inherently a more inefficient model in America. And it, it, it's, it's really coming to light with all this drama about certain states being totally COVID pro, certain COVID anti, and they're radically different. You wouldn't even think it was the same country, right? This is the nature of the beast. Now, it's inefficient, but it's also really good for, it creates labs. We have, we have laboratories, like how well did Florida do with COVID? How well did New York do? And we can look at it a few months later and go, well, okay, learning less, learning experience. The point I'm making is perhaps what's happening in America is a harbinger of what might happen in Europe. Because why, may I ask you, are we doing decentralized energy in Europe if, if everything's so good? Is it being government sponsored? How's it working? I, I don't know. I think, uh, I know in Britain, they had a scheme that was, uh, it was government-led, but it was decentralized. So there was there was a sort of gold rush about 15 years ago. I don't know if it was British or if it was European Union. Mm. And it was, a, it was a subsidy for anyone who wanted to put a solar panel on their roof. And all of these companies emerged uh, as a sort of middlemen or brokers for this, saying there's a little bit of government money you can get your hands on and you'll get your solar panel and eventually you'll break even. Um, so I think it's government putting a bit of money in. So the financing is centralized, but the actual physical infrastructure is decentralized. Right. Uh, look, I, I think that we, we can get away from the policy issues and just say, look, one big reason for decentralization is to reduce the load on the central system, right? It's ecologically, we wrote a white paper, which I can send you the link, that showed that there's carbon savings by treating at the point of use rather than sending it through pipelines and treating it down the road and so forth. The whole idea of, of uh, shipping your waste to a central location is inherently <clears throat> wasteful because you could just treat it right there. And then the central location is treating is treating just treated water. They're just doing the last bit. And so it dramatically reduces the load, very similar to energy. That's what we're trying to do with energy is reduce the load on the central energy plants. It's not that decentralized is bad, it's that it's good to do the mainframe versus PC thing, not push things out to the edge, seemingly inefficient, but actually good because it reduces the uh, traffic jams at the center. The other, the other point, Omar, is that, is that Today, you can't build giant central plants anymore because places are built up and there's also environmental regulations. And so we have to use what's there. Try and build a large plant anywhere, even in Europe. No, because of the, re the reviews that go on, it takes 10 years, it's horrible. So instead, just do stuff at the rim. And I think that is a good argument. There's a couple arguments there. Yes, I agree. I'm very grateful for this conversation. Uh, and I think uh, I think we've got a good plan to get you what you need commercially, whilst at the same time, keeping it very closely intertwined to what's going on in the news, uh, certainly in the, in the UK. I really appreciate your spending the time on this. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a great evening, Omar. You too. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. I'm going to move right along here to Dave Johnson's interview. Um, I just wanted to say that there's a real mission here to explain to people why decentralization is happening, which it clearly is, but the public is not really being kept up to, up to speed on it, but businesses know. And so the parallel with energy is a good way to explain it. Anyway, that is, you'll probably see a story come out on that in, in a major uh, publication soon. Let's see what we, uh, quick, a quick interview with Dave Johnson. 
one of our great investors. Here we go. Dave Johnson, welcome and thank you for taking this meeting with me. I understand that you're a longtime investor in Origin Clear. I actually started in 2009 with Origin Oil. What do you think of how we've uh, done moving into the water space? Uh, originally, about that time, 2009, I had picked like a half a dozen companies that I put a little bit of money into all of them as early speculative uh, kind of investments. And uh, I think uh, there's only two remaining and Origin Clear is the one remaining in my portfolio, but the one that I've continue to add more money to as the companies progressed. And so, uh, yeah. Yes, my experience has been the same. It's like, well, okay, if I get one out of 10, I'll be super happy, right? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but it's- well, Hopefully, um, you know, it, that makes up for it. I mean, the whole idea is that, you know, um, this is not your conservative investing strategy. This is for a portion of a portfolio, which has the, the upside. First of all, I just want to ask you, uh, how's- in general, how's your investment doing? I'm not asking for numbers or just, you know, how happy are you? Yeah, well, I'm happy. I'm, uh, you know, I have uh, about half of my uh, origin clear investment in, a, in an LLC that I do a lot of trading in. I trade options every day. And uh, mm -hmm. um, the other half is in a Roth IRA. So I'm uh, collecting some dividends, which I'm thankful for. And because my most of my investing now is not for you know, long-term growth because I'm getting older. <laughs> it's it's more about income at this point in time. So, but I do want to tell you that uh, my interests in water and wastewater go back to uh, the mid '70s. I got a master's degree in uh, water and wastewater engineering from the University of Wisconsin, and so I've uh, back then we called it sanitary engineering, but <laughs> it's it's changed a lot since then. And so I have some some kind of uh, genuine interest in the whole field and that I've, I, I actually, as my career went on, I didn't do much engineering. I went into management of, of a company, but uh, I, I've always kept in tune with it. And that's why I'm still an investor. Of course, back then it was, everything was centralized, you know, um, right. municipalities, that was the game. What's your take on how things are becoming more and more uh, decentralized going towards the actual owner operators? What's uh, do you do you are you in touch with that trend at all? Uh, well, absolutely, and I'm and I'm. Uh, I mean, this is the reason that I've continued to uh, invest in Origin Clear and and keep keep track of it because, uh, I, like you, I believe that this is the, this is the way the industry is going going to progress, and and uh, in fact, you know, on a on a worldwide basis, not just in this country. We were now starting to not just raise money to to operate, but also raising capital for these water equipment right. purchases. The whole water on demand idea, first of all, requires us to be much, much better at our job because we're not just selling widgets and delivering it. We have to keep operating it. And it's almost like a high tech kind of job. How many companies have the capital to fund a machine that they can just put out for 15 years on services, right? Well, I have a, I have a meeting with Ken tomorrow morning, as a matter of fact. Meanwhile, as you know, from watching the CEO briefings, Dan Early has been prepping a bunch of what he calls DBOO, design, build, own, operate right. type um, type things. And he is, he is ready. I mean, he's like, okay, uh, let's do this thing. So I think on both sides, we got investors excited about jumping into the 
um, asset-based investing, um, which carries its own set of protections. And then, of course, uh, Dan is prepping the, the, uh, the, the pipeline because he's eager. He's got so much business lined up that he's worked hard to, to quote and design. And then it just sits there waiting for what permitting, funding, whatever, right? But right. typically funding is a big, big factor. And he can't wait to just, you know, unlock and just say, here, don't don't worry about the capital, just just sign here. Something that leverages the, you know, the whole concept of water on demand with uh, with other companies that are, you know, have similar capabilities. Potentially very scalable. I mean, right now in McKinney, Texas, we're we're so overloaded. That's um, good. I mean, there's been a lot of sales, well over thirty projects in 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 the shop, and um, you know what we're trying to do, of course, is to unload things to subcontractors and just do final assembly in McKinney. That's a whole thing that Tom and, and Mark are, are are working on. But meanwhile, as pure fund administrators, we can deploy money to another company. Uh, make sure that they meet uh, requirements and, and, you know, we'll have, um, in fact, we already have a person lined up to do all the due diligence and contract awards. And that's a whole game and it's very scalable, you know, financing no, right. is much more scalable than operations. Always. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, I've been an investor for many years and even speculative stuff, I think has to, uh, you know, has to have some kind of real foundational business. And, I, and I'm glad to see that that's happened. Well, it's one yes. of the reasons I keep investing. So. Thank you, and and you know, Ken Ken is confident that he can put together a five million dollar package of water investing, water asset investments, and I'll tell you, five million dollars done, let's say over the next three to six months, is going to be transformative for the company, right? Because not only, you know, a it's five million dollars, b yeah. it's for the operators on the operating side, it's money up front. And C, it's this incredible, you know, tale of ongoing annuity revenue. Yeah. Um, I think it's gonna, you know, create a whole new company. And um, I can't wait for 2022 and the fun we're gonna have. I can't wait to hear the postmortem on your discussion with Ken. It's like, oh my God, Ken killed me. But <laughs> he he he'll he'll be gentle. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I consider him a good friend now. So we've talked many, many times. So <laughs> yes, uh, likewise, he's he's a amazing friend, and um, and we're so happy to have him in the company. I, I'm frankly, um, you know, in 2020 when we were reinventing the company, it was he and I were just day and night, you know, 11 at night. Well, what are we doing? And um, I think I think uh, what we have today is in great part due to him. So. Um, I'm glad to be talking to him. And Dave, I want to thank you again for for uh, being such a long-term investor, for believing in us, not losing faith. And, um, and uh, you know, we, we really are going to succeed in great part because of investors like you. Well, thanks. It's uh, my pleasure to participate in the call and uh, I look forward to a great future going forward. So uh, uh, keep it going. Thank you, Dave, and uh, best of health and luck for the balance of the year. And uh, let's let's get prepped for an amazing 2022. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. Thank Rick. you, sir. That's a great investor. We just love him. I've got a couple uh, chats here to check in on. We have some great news coming up from the Philanthropic Investor team who highlighted Origin, Origin Clear. Um, one event with high net worth individuals in Rincon PR, Puerto Rico, and also the Real Estate Investment Association uh, Puerto Rican monthly meeting. So that's very cool. Thank you, Ivan Ans, 
and Vindy Rios for making that happen. Okay. Now, this is what you've been waiting for, is um, the interview of the new general manager of the One Other Man. Uh, Manuel Viana is, uh, has a Harvard MBA, which is the least of his uh, qualifications. So um, here we go. Let's play the, the video that was, the interview that was shot just a couple hours ago. Manuel Viana, good evening and how are you, sir? Very well, thank you. How are you, Liz? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'd love to speak a little Portuguese with you because, of course, you are uh, one of my Portuguese friends. So, boa tarde. Boa tarde. <laughs> Good afternoon in uh, uh, Portuguese. I wanted to um, talk with you about this new assignment that um, we've nominated you for. And uh, you've been now with the company for, I think, over six months, um, working on a number of, of key tasks. And one of them has been to help to create the, uh, the financial um, structure and model for what we call water on demand. And um, a 25 year um, model that encompasses an amazing number of variables. Um, it's a fine job. Um, and so now, of course, we're starting to receive funds into this water on demand number one, Inc., the, the subsidiary that's been created. And we need a competent general manager. So. Um, that is, our intent is to bring you on as general manager. Now you're, you're not yet full-time, you've got some other things going on, uh, but our, hopefully um, we will uh, make all those things irrelevant. <laughs> you'll, you'll be like, throw it all away because this is exciting. But um, we're very happy with the amount of dedication you're able to give now. And for our listeners uh, and shareholders, I wanted to just go over a little bit what your qualifications are, why we, why we think that you will do, why we know you will do a wonderful job. Um, so um, let's just tell me a little bit about, you know, your, your schooling, your background, uh, what, what kind of stuff you've done over the years. Well, okay. Uh, thanks, Riggs. Uh, well, you know, I'm a production engineer, so I've dealt with a lot of uh, capital deployment projects and designing and balancing production lines, distribution systems, all that kind of good stuff. And I've also done an MBA from Harvard Business School. Uh, and uh, I worked, you know, I have worked as a consultant. I have worked as an investment manager and I've had several line management responsibilities. I've been CFO of a advanced diagnostics kind of a biotech company. I've been the COO and CFO of a, a stem cell company. Uh, therapy uh, company. One of the first, uh, right? One of the first. And, you know, it included, you know, developing a whole new facility, kind of a state of the art, world-class at the time when there were no blueprints. So we had to really figure out what was needed, you know. Uh, and I've also worked as, a, you know, a, a CFO of a software company, a high-tech world. Uh, so I've done a lot of that. Uh, and importantly, I think very relevant to water on demand program is I've worked as an investment manager, private mm. equity, starting my days at Monitor in Boston, where uh, I evolved towards working on the investment management side of the house. And we had over a billion dollars under management and in various asset classes. And more recently, uh, I worked in a private equity fund uh, in, uh, in based in New York and backed by them and, you know, developed uh, several businesses, including uh, waste management uh, business and, uh, you know, a physical therapy network, you know, and this was a fascinating business. We started we, with the first acquisition of First Clinic and in two years we were 
over 150 locations. So there's a lot to you know, think in terms of capital allocation and managing the system as we grew that fast. So uh, I'm excited. I know the, the first few months working with you, I really got involved with the, with the design of what on demand with you. And you know, I'm looking forward to making it happen now. Well, it's an amazing honor because you've literally, you are, have been working in the bees, the billions. And uh, as you know, it's my personal ambition that, that we one day could become a, uh, a unicorn and be worth a billion. And you have an idea of what that means. Uh, I wanted to um, backtrack a little bit about you. You mentioned Monitor Capital, mon Monitor Group, Monitor Capital, which now is a unit of Deloitte, one of the top three um, uh, CPA firms in, in the country, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I joined just after my MBA, uh, working with Professor Michael Porter, who developed a lot of things about evolution of industries and how you create new business models and how you become more competitive over time. And so I started there after my MBA, uh, and I grew through the ranks and uh, mm -hmm. ended up being, you know, on the board of directors and, you know, on the global operating committee. And, and then I moved over to the investment side to put in, you know, to actually try to leverage a lot of that thinking in terms of making more money and structuring, you know, businesses for a great, uh, for better return on capital. That's wonderful. And you're being very modest about that um, physical therapy uh, network because it, from what I understand, you basically grew it tremendously through, cons through consolidation. That's right. Yeah, we did. Uh, we, we actually went from zero to one of the top 10 in the country uh, in less than two years. And uh, it, it was a lot of work, not just negotiating the deals, but then integrating them all and making sure that, the, you know, they were on the same technology platform and, uh, you know, customer contracts and pricing. There's a lot of moving parts that uh, you got to pull together. So it was kind of hair raising, but uh, super exciting. Well, hair raising is, is uh, probably the least of it because from what I understand, it got kind of ahead of itself and, and sort of, um, kind of hit the wall in terms of, of, of its expansion. Tell me a little bit about that. And, and because I have to tell you, Manuel, that I often, on every, almost every podcast I'm on these days, they say, what did you fail at, right? Because the conventional wisdom these days is that you, you, know, you don't necessarily learn from your successes, you learn from the failures. Um, and I had a, I talk about a failure that I had in the 80s, which was very uh, distressing and learned from that my own set of lessons, which I've applied since. But tell me a bit, a little bit about what you might have learned from from your experience. Well, I mean, this, as I as I mentioned, uh, this uh, company that I spearheaded was backed by a private equity fund, and the company, the physical therapy company itself, did not hit a problem, uh, hit a wall. But the private equity fund was growing very, very fast and did get ahead of it itself. Uh, they ended up having some compliance problems on the fundraising side, and it really affected us. And for me, uh, you know, I felt a, a little bit like we we're doing a great work, uh, achieving great results on the investment side, on the management of the capital. Uh, but we felt, you know, a little bit let down by the failure on this other side that they had legal problems. And that, of course, affected the, the business, affected the business I was doing. I think the lesson reads is that details matter a lot. And mm -hmm. particularly when you're dealing with other people's money, you know, there's a fiduciary attitude you have to have at all times and not get overexcited, not, not cut any corners. And one thing I guarantee you, you know, is that in this capacity working with you, I'm doing, going to do my best to make sure there's no trouble. You've done a great job over all these years with uh, Origin Clear. 
you know, no problems with the SEC or anything. It's a very regulated business these days, running mm -hmm. a public company. I intend to make sure that, you know, you, we don't get blindsided by anything. As I said, details matter a lot. And I think keeping in mind what the goal is, which is create value for the shareholders and service the customers really well. Uh, those are the those are the overarching goals. But, you know, it's a, it's a matter of, you know, making sure that we, cross all the T's, dot all the I's and, you know, uh, structure the business for sustainable growth, you know, and in a way that some administrative issue that we're not even paying attention now does not come back to bite us later. Well, you know, th this is, um, in fact, what I also perceive in, in sort of reading between the lines is that you were frustrated that you didn't have the power to change what was being done by these people. In other words, they were just going full speed ahead. And you're like, but, 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 but uh, excuse me. And, and literally these people were, you know, this sort of like, you know, gung ho, you know, uh, over the ramparts kind of point of view. Um, and what I've take, you know, this is a major, major critical reason why we designed water on demand to essentially be, um, organizationally independent, uh, obviously it's a subsidiary of origin clear, but from uh, a management point of view, we want you to feel that you are in charge of, you know, it's, it's, it's gonna be an interesting process where we bring in money from investors, we purchase water equipment and we deploy managed services so that they then pay us by the gallon. Well, the water had better be cleaned to the contractual level the machinery has to be kept running. The collections have to occur. There has to be an, you know, inflation indexing because we know what's going to happen with inflation. Uh, and of course, money um, proceeds have to be returned to the investors and the stakeholders. It's going to be quite an interesting Swiss watch. And I think without you having autonomy as um, obviously responding to the board of directors, but being yourself able to say, you know, we're going to do it this way. And this is how I feel. And this is what we're going to do. And here's why I think it's critical. I, I agree. And I actually am. I think that is very, very important. And, and it contributes to my, not just, you know, uh, confidence, but excitement taking on this mission, because I think, you know, we were talking about some of the lessons. There are lots of good lessons as well that I learned over the years. And I, I feel like it all comes together now, you know, and uh, I see how a lot of the good lessons and the bad lessons, they all apply. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a job of precision, uh, of perspective. As you said, it is a Swiss watch, you know, many moving parts. It's also a labor of love in the sense that, you know, we're going to, uh, we have a unique opportunity here to cause a huge impact in the water industry. And so we're going to go for it. Wow. Well, that's a wonderful thing. And um, I, I agree that, you know, coming in at the small to mid-level business um, sector, which is still relatively untouched by the big guys, only a few people like us and a couple others are really doing it. That's you know this I I observed on a on an interview um, that there's many many more small people than there are big people and so right. there's a strength in numbers so I think it's going to be complex but I think it's also going to be um, the you know the future and then what's interesting is this eventually when when we feel we can do it is to deliver the dividends with this new um, you know uh, cryptocurrency in good time because right. we don't have to have it in order to operate, but eventually it's going to become a very attractive way to then create um, the ability of people 
who are getting a 25 year uh, residual, well, maybe they can accelerate it by, you know, selling it at a discount and things like that, create a market. And that's going to be very interesting too. So that whole combination is going to be um, really, really exciting. I think it's, it's something that the market is going to sit up. The market is going to sit up and take um, uh, attention, you know, pay attention to. And uh, I think that you will be a rock star and you will, you will demand to work full time and we may even let you. <laughs> okay, great. that's good. I like that. <laughs> anyway, well, anyway, Manuel, uh, many, many thanks. Muito obrigado. And uh, I look forward to uh, many great things with you. And um, let's, let's have a very successful engagement. And I'll um, be playing this tonight. I hope you'll be on the, on the show uh, listening in with us. Very well, I will. Thank you for having me on your on your briefing tonight. Well, you know what we'll do is is we'll have you as a co-host in background in case questions come up. Uh, people want to, you know, they they can put things in the chat and you can help answer them. So that we really, what I want is is for everyone to feel that they really they know you and that um, and that that you are really the person, the right man for the job. So thanks again, and I'll be seeing you later. Very good, great to see you later. Ciao. Okay. Wow, we have um, a ton of chats here. There's a bunch of responding happening here. Jin Yun Yang, we are helping a leading Japanese water technology holder to find potential collaboration partnerships. And so um, one company we reached was concerned about the small scale we have. Does the water decentralization really the future of water, US water environment? And I would say absolutely. You're right to, to be being small is not a bad thing. Uh, as we were learning, it makes us very nimble. Right, we're able to bring on a person, an amazing person like Manuel, and put him straight to work on this. Uh, so Pamela, uh, there's a conversation going on between Pamela and Ken. I'll let that go on. And also we have um, Chris Witt. What is the least amount I can invest and get in the meeting with? I want to get involved. I'm sure Ken will handle that too. Okay, excellent. And if any and GRW, greetings to everyone. If anybody has any questions for Manuel, uh, while I continue. Um, just wrapping up, we're almost at the end of the show. So if you have any uh, questions or concerns or statements, put them in the chat, please. Okay, let's um, let's move into the wrap-up stage here. We've been talking about water on demand. Well, what does that mean from an investing point of view? Essentially, what we're doing is we're building the, the $5 million club. That means that um, we intend to raise $5 million from our existing investors with an excellent, very leveraged opportunity that has uh, seniority in the subsidiary, so you have a measure of protection and a percentage of net profits. Um, now there is a secret sauce that makes this possible that is very special and that is a $5 million sweet spot, but the rest of us can get in. What we're doing here, we have a major partner coming in uh, with a portal that's coming together that is gonna be raising a ton of money from institutional and um, lots of accredited investors, but you get a beautiful first front row and a the better offering right now. So that is what uh, Ken offers. Get your briefing from him. And by the way, you don't have to invest in Water On Demand. There's the other offering we have, which is even more leveraged. I will let him discuss it. Simply schedule a call on oc.gold slash Ken and, um, or call him on extension 201. And the email is invest at originclear.com. I got another quick chat. Oh, from Ken to Chris Witt. Okay, good. Be sure to register for next week. As you can tell, these are exciting events. 
lots going on. Um, we are moving into high speed. We've been, you know, we do wonderful things building systems, but moving into water as a managed service is a whole new frontier and our investors are making it possible. I love about what's happening right now is the potential for really making ch change happen. JRW wants to know if there's any news for non-accredited investors. Right now, no, um, but we hope to change that soon. I unfortunately cannot discuss our plans at this time, but um, we really want to bring on the, the unaccredited investors for sure. So join us next week and um, we'll, we'll be happy to tell you more about what's going on. We've had more people raise their hand. Uh, please drop, just type something in the chat window because I'll give you a few more moments. Um, JOW, I guess I'd better buy OTC stock for now. <clears throat> I think the thing to do, but of course I don't make stock recommendations. All right, everyone, thank you so much. It's been very productive. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening from the new general manager, um, Manuel Viana, who has brought a wealth of experience uh, including some of the storms he's gone through over the years. And uh, he will be available also to talk to you in future weeks, both on this show and in his job, um, because it's, he's doing super important work. All right, I'm going to wrap it up. And I, Don Godden says, thanks. I hope to hear from you soon. So with that, have a great evening, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Do come back next week. I promise you it will be more exciting stuff. Good night.